Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about being allergic to insect bites and insect stings because I feel like at one point in time, we've all gotten unwanted and unexpected visitors. So such as like stinging and biting insects within our personal spaces. So whether that's outside near us or even inside of our living spaces. And I wanted to do an episode on this because... When people mostly think about insects, they think, oh my gosh, like don't sting me or like don't bite me. And it's more common to be afraid or have a fear of getting bit or stung by an insect rather than actually being allergic to one. And I don't really think many people really think about the possibility of being allergic to one. Well, at least I didn't until doing like a bunch of research on this for you guys. So Maybe it's just me, but hopefully you all find this episode to be very beneficial and helpful and very thought-provoking because some of these things really just honestly just blew my mind because I was just so shocked about how much I did not know about insect bites and insect stinging. So if you are not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure that you hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. And make sure that you rate and review the podcast because it really helps with growing the Oh My Allergies community and for us to be able to know what you guys like, what you guys want more of, that sort of thing. And follow us on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page. We post a lot of quotes, a lot of memes, a lot of, you know, different updates on the podcast, on different episodes, when we have guests on the on the podcast, which has been Really great to hear you guys' feedback on how much you guys are loving the guests so far, so that really makes me feel really good. But before I get into today's topic, you guys know I have to talk about what's been going on. So what's been going on with me? Well, To be honest, what has not been going on with me? Because this past week, my school life has been insanely busy. So let me do a little quick rundown of all the things I had to do this week that are just school related. This does not count any like things for like my personal life, you know, with my dog, my family, my podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to doesn't include any of this. This is just my student life. So I had a quiz in my accounting class. I had two exams. One was for my accounting class and the other one was for one of my business classes. Then I had an, uh, like some exercises, like some homework problems to do for accounting. Then I had to do some other homework for my marketing class. Then I also had to do a presentation, a group presentation. So 
just imagine all the things that could happen when you have a group presentation. Then I had to do an outline for another presentation that is a group presentation for the same class that I had the other presentation in. So hopefully I still have you and <laughs> that I didn't confuse anyone. Then I had to host an event for a student organization that I'm a part of because a part of my job on exec is planning events for our members. So I did all the planning and the hosting for that particular event. It was obviously online. It was a virtual event, but it turned out really well, but it, it took a lot of planning, but I had to do all that stuff for my school. Plus, like I said, I had work to do for school amongst other things like personal life and this podcast. So I was just so ready for the weekend to come. Like you guys have no idea. And then even on the weekends, like I still have stuff to do. So I'm recording this on a Saturday. So normally I have something to do for my accounting class. And then throughout the weekend, I usually have something to do for my international business class. So even though I don't really get the weekends off, it's not as hectic as it is during the week. And then midterms are coming up and whew, I just need to do a cleansing breath. So I'm just going to breathe in and breathe out because this, this, this could easily, easily stress me out. And I'm really at the point where it's almost stressing me out. But I'm trying not to get to the point where I am stressed out. Like I'm trying to do like my breathing exercises through my Fitbit. Because if you have like a Fitbit or like a fitness tracker of some sort, sometimes they'll have like these like um, relaxed breathing sessions where you can do like a two minute breathing session. So I've been trying to do more of those to be able to center myself and to be able to relax because I really feel like and this is. The, like the common consensus with people that I've talked to that are students at other schools or even at my school that we have so much work to do as far as like assignments and stuff like that more than we would if we actually had in-person classes and it's absolutely crazy like the workload is just it's just so much like I always feel like I'm doing something and when I would be in in-person classes like I would feel like I had the weekend to be able to breathe be able to relax play with my dog you know be able to hang out with my mom and my family and stuff but since doing stuff online like I just feel like I don't have time to do anything except for do school work and work like I don't have really time to be able to just read a book or to be able to, I don't know, do any hobbies or something like that. And it's just so frustrating to me because I want to be able to relax and be able to have that me time that I used to be able to have because I would be able to finish my homework at a decent hour. But now I feel like I have so much more work to do. And then I have another assignment that I have due this upcoming week. And then I have more exams. And I'm just like, I want to be able to have some time to breathe. So that has been what's been going on with me. It's been a lot. Um, and you know, I don't want to suppress like this feeling of having like these anxious tendencies. And so I am at a point where I'm just like, yes, this is how we're feeling. 
yes, this is all the stuff that you have to do, but you have to do it and to not, you know, suppress your emotions and to acknowledge them, but don't let them take over, you know, your life or anything like that to the point where it puts you into like a negative headspace. So I'm trying to get better at that instead of just being like, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Like if you're not fine, then just being like, no, I'm not fine in this moment. And I do really feel like I'm like 0.5 seconds from crying. But let's accept the fact that that's how I feel. But how am I going to be able to get the stuff done that I need to get done? But still making sure that I'm keeping my mental health at the forefront of my brain. So that's been something that I've been trying to implement a lot more into my life because I feel like it's so easy for me to just be like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. And to not really put my mental health at the forefront and really just being like, well, this just needs to get done. So who cares if I'm 0.5 seconds from crying and that I'm having like an internal mental breakdown. (laughs) So trying not to do that anymore. And I'm trying to, you know, take time, whether that's just to like read something that I'm interested in, whether it's a news article about a topic that I'm really interested in, or if it's like reading a book. So that's what's been going on with me. And uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. So my first foodie like is from the brand Home Free. So I recently just tried their stuff because I was a blogger slash influencer at the Nourish Festival. I talked about it. I think a couple episodes ago on the podcast and how normally it's in person, but this year it was online because of, you know, COVID and everything. So this was a brand that reached out to me because they wanted to be able to like send me samples to try and honor the expo and stuff. So I was like, cool, cool, cool. So I tried their stuff and their stuff is so good. Like they have these uh, crispy cookies. And so my favorites as of the moment have been their chocolate chip cookies and then their chocolate mint cookies. The chocolate mint cookies taste so dang delicious. They remind me of like, I don't know if anyone else had these when they were younger, but like, do you guys remember like the Teddy Grahams, like the chocolate Teddy Grahams? Like these remind me so much of these and give me like an instant throwback to when I was younger and I would have these like in my lunch bag and except they just have a minty flavor to them and they taste so delicious and I'm on the hunt of trying to figure out what grocery stores near me sell them because they taste so good. And I really like the fact that they are really like relatively low in sugar compared to like other snacks that are very similar to them. And I don't know if you guys know this about me by now, but I'm not really a big fan of things that are very high in sugar because I always feel like, oh, when I'm eating them that I am like 0.5 seconds away from like getting like a shot up in my blood sugar and like feeling like I'm going to be in like a sugar attack. And I just don't really like that feeling. So I usually try to stay away away from things that are like really high in sugar so I'm really into uh, the two cookies from them so with the uh, chocolate mint mini cookies which are the ones that I've been trying I really like the fact that they well both of them honestly they're both free of eight most common food allergens so they're free of peanuts tree nuts eggs a dairy what else I want to say wheat soy fish shellfish and gluten and then they're also vegan and then like they're low sodium 
them and they're really just a great snack to have with you so I like having them when I am like watching TV and I really like how the bag is like kind of small but to the point where the cookies taste so good that I'm like that's it like I feel like I've only eaten like maybe like six cookies and then like the bag is empty and like I want more and then I'm like kind of sad about it but then I'm like well that's kind of a good portion for me anyway because if there was a lot of cookies I feel like I would eat the whole bag if it was like a big bag of them so I feel like for me like that's a good portion size so like I don't like overeat but I definitely recommend their cookies they taste really good also another one that's really good are the vanilla ones those taste pretty good too so another one of my foodie likes is from the brand 88 acres it's their dark chocolate sea salt bar i believe i think that's the name of it but i really like this because i like i told you guys before i'm a big fan of dark chocolate in general so i just really like the darkness the richness and the bitterness that comes with this bar and i don't mean that like in a negative way like i am a sucker for a nice bitter piece of chocolate and with this bar that makes it very different is the fact that it has seeds in it as well so it has like sunflower seeds pumpkin seeds and flax seeds in it so like when you eat it like you'll feel a little bit more satisfied and full instead of having something that is just a bunch of syrups and sugars and stuff like that so you'll be able to feel fulfilled after eating it as well and then I also like how they it's like gluten-free it's dairy-free so it's checks off all my boxes and I also like the fact that they have a bakery that they make all their products in it's free of like peanuts tree nuts gluten dairy eggs soy and sesame so really really a big fan of this bar and it tastes really good and I just love like the chocolatey goodness that comes with this bar and yeah so those have been my foodie likes as of late for this week at least without further ado I guess I can get right into the allergy news so with the allergy news article that I'm going to be talking about today is from the New York Post and it's about how researchers are studying medieval poop yes I said medieval poop to understand modern allergies and obesity so there was a study that was published in the Journal of Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society B and the research was conducted in Jerusalem, Israel and the Latvian uh, capital of Riga and researchers they are examining uh, the 14th and 15th century latrines from both cities in order to compare a modern microbiome that was composed of like trillions of microorganisms so including including like bacteria, fungi, parasites inside of our bodies with that of our ancestors. And so through this study, they're trying to determine what really uh, makes up a healthy biome for modern people and what they should be looking at the microbiomes of, you know, our ancestors who lived before the use of antibiotics and fast food and other things like that. So I think that this is very interesting that they are doing this type of research and they are finding, you know, different evidence that could be linking to changes in the human microbiome to many different uh, conditions that we know of today, like inflammatory bowel disease, allergies, and obesity. And the study is just basically getting started. And so they are just looking at just a lot of different things 
things from like the guts of, you know, hunter gatherer populations and just really getting down to the nitty gritty of history and just looking at, like I said, the people that came before us and trying to see if they are able to figure out, you know, where things like obesity and allergies are coming from and why people maybe back in the day, like really, really back in the day, seeing if they could find allergies within, you know, hunter gatherers and people before us. And if not, like kind of where did allergies kind of enter the conversation and obesity and kind of get into humans we know of today and kind of like when that happened or if it's something that humans always dealt with and struggled with that type of thing. So I think the study is just very um interesting because I definitely would not think of looking at basically old to be able to understand what we know of as modern allergies and kind of just seeing and understanding the intestinal health of people today and how making changes over time, dietary changes can contribute to, like I said, allergies, uh, bowel disease and obesity and stuff like that. So I think that even though the headline really just caught me off guard and I was like medieval poop, like what the heck is this? But the more that I read through the article and I was able to kind of like connect the dots on okay well even though this is weird it made sense to me and I can see kind of how you know looking at these samples could help with understanding how there's different diets that have changed over time with the people that came before us how that could factor into all of these other different medical conditions that people of today are dealing with and like I said before if there's kind of like something that people dealt with in the past or if it's something that they didn't and then trying to figure out well why didn't they have these types of things in the past and stuff like that so yeah I will always link the allergy news article always in the show notes if you want to do a deeper dive and be able to look at the article yourself but yeah that is the allergy news so with that being said I guess I can get right into today's topic which is can you actually be allergic to insects insect bites and insect stings said today's episode is going to be all about can you actually be allergic to insect bites and insect stings. So when I'm talking about insect allergies that refers to having an abnormal reaction to bites or stings from insects and the presence of bugs in your home or your workspace such as like bug bodies and debris can cause reactions in some people which is very interesting that you don't even have to get bit or stung by an insect for some people they just have to be like around you in your environment and then you just just get some sort of a reaction from it from maybe like touching one by accident or some debris that's left behind from one when you're cleaning up from you know killing a bug that's in your house something like that so that's just very interesting but I guess that makes sense because trying to apply this type of a situation to food allergies um, some people get you know allergic reactions from ingesting the food allergen or from touching it I know a lot of people that are allergic that way or even if it's airborne which is very interesting to me as well 
well. But according to the ACAAI, they say that thousands of people enter the hospital emergency rooms or urgent care clinics every year suffering from insect stings and that it has been estimated that potentially life-threatening allergic reactions occur in 0.4% to 0.8% of children and 3% of adults. But the thing that really shocked me the most was the fact that they said that at least 90 to 100 deaths per year result from insect sting anaphylaxis alone, which is so crazy because when you tend to think about getting bit or stung by a insect, whether it's a stinging insect or if it's a biting insect, you don't really think about not only just being allergic to one, but actually going into full blown anaphylaxis because you've been stung or bit by an insect. And I know like people who are dealing with this on a day to day, you tend to think about it. But like I've talked about in other episodes when I've talked to other people on the podcast is that you don't tend to think about allergies that you don't have yourself and you tend to just stay in your own little bubble and you're just like, oh, like I'm just worried about my allergies, that type of thing. You don't tend to really think about the allergies that other people may have or just other types that are out there unless you have them yourself or if the people around you have them. So just having this discussion about being allergic to insects is just so interesting to me and definitely I feel like it's important to educate yourself on different allergies because you might be encountering someone that has a specific allergy and at least you have some sort of knowledge and you're not ignorant to the situation and I feel like just having this extra knowledge in your brain it doesn't really hurt so but another thing that the ACAAI also says is that the majority of insect stings in the United States come from wasps, yellow jackets, hornets, and honeybees which are all things that I just tend to avoid in every day-to-day life because the fact of something just flying around in the air just I just not a fan of it like even something that's as harmless as a butterfly I'm not here for it I'm that person that the minute that I hear buzzing of some sort I like start ducking and weaving and I don't run because I know that'll make them want to come after me so like I'll like slowly walk away or like I'll try not to move if I'm like near one just to not make it like angry or something like that but yeah I just don't like things that fly just not a big fan at all I've not ever been I don't think I ever will be and that's just because they just freak me out and especially things that can bite or sting I'm like oh no even if it's like a would-be not a fan they just freak me out the fact that they're just always around me because it this reminds me of a time when I went to like this summer picnic and they had like the traditional like wooden picnic tables and there was a bunch of would-be's and I was just that person that was like so focused on the would-be instead of engaging with everybody else and eating and having a good time that like by the time that I would try to like let go of my guard and to be able to fully be present in the moment a would-be would come near me and then I would be swatting it and then people would be looking at me like I was crazy so me and flying things just don't do well together but anyway um some other insects that really just affect people and are and then account for a lot of the insect stings that happen in the U.S. are red or black imported fire ants and they infest more than 260 million acres in the southern United States which I live in the south and fire ants they're very common when I was in like a t-ball baseball phase when I was younger and when we would play our games like I always remember when we would either play games or even practice that at least one person would step in an ant pile by accident and then it would be a bunch of fire ants and like their legs would look so jacked up from all of the bites from the fire ants and it just looks so painful and very scary 
scary at the same time so I made sure that like I like did not put myself in that type of situation if I could help it and then also I was talking to my mom about this topic when I was telling her that this was what I was going to talk about and she was telling me how um, someone in my family they actually got bit by fire ants because they stepped in um, an ampile by accident and like their feet look so jacked up and so red and so painful and I'm just like oh my goodness I feel for you and it's just very unfortunate among some of the other things that are prevalent in the south as far as insects are concerned that are very annoying and nasty to me which I will get to in this episode because they fall underneath the two categories of biting and stinging insects but these red and black fire ants have become just such a significant health hazard and actually may be the number one agent of insect stings which is very crazy and I don't think fire ants are really that prevalent up in the north I know when my mom and I would have talks about you know ants and stuff like that from whether we were with someone and they stepped in an ant pile by accident she would just talk about how in the north where she's from like they would just have like the big black ants that you could just see literally every single body part where it's like you didn't have to worry about whether or not they were gonna bite you or if they were gonna like leave some type of a mark it was kind of like oh like he played with them like they're friendly they're your friends here in the south them ants are not your friends okay (laughs) so just making sure that you stay away from them here is like something that's a part of the culture down here especially when like how I grew up that's how it was for me but speaking of types of insects there are so many types of insects or insect like bugs that can cause an allergic reaction which I was very shocked at the variety of different types of insects that can cause an allergic reaction because it's not something that you really think about as far as like the just a different range and it's very interesting so for stinging insects it includes like bees wasps hornets uh, yellow jackets and fire ants like I said those are the most common stinging insects that can cause an allergic reaction and when these insects sting you they inject a toxic substance called venom and fire ants yellow jackets hornets and and wasp they could actually sting you repeatedly which I did not know but it makes sense because people talk about how being stung by any of these things hurts so much and it burns so I can imagine that it's probably because these things bit you like 50 million times and then it's like your body's like oh my goodness like I got bit 50 million times and it's like your body's like in shock and your body's like I can't believe this happened to me um but most people that are stung by you know those types of insects they recover within hours or days and for some people this can actually trigger the venom can actually trigger a life-threatening allergic reaction Um, and I'll get back to that uh, later down in the episode but as far as the biting insects that can cause an allergic reaction those are mosquitoes which I freaking hate mosquitoes because they're so small sometimes and you can't see them and the big ones like creep me out so much like when you can see like its wings and everything like they creep me out so much but they're so prevalent in the south and it's crazy especially during the summertime and you have to use a bunch of bug spray especially if you're going on hikes and you're being adventurous and stuff like that there's just things you have to think about um kissing bugs um or some other bugs as well bed bugs fleas and certain flies are the most common biting insects that are known to cause an allergic reaction now most people that are bitten by those types of insects they tend to suffer from pain redness itching stinging and a minor swelling in the area around the bite and although um this is rare but sometimes insect bites can trigger a life-threatening allergic reaction and this one bite 
from this specific type of insect. This is something I've seen news articles about and I've just been so weirdly fascinated but scared by the fact that this type of uh, insect exists. So there's this thing called a lone star tick, which I have like a really bad tick story that I just don't like ticks. I really don't think anyone likes ticks, but when I see the word tick, it takes me back to a place where I actually had a tick on me and I didn't really know. I was going to this birthday party and it was like at a mini golf place and we went mini golfing and it was fun. It was like ha 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 ha. So I go home and all that other type of stuff and I'm getting you know ready to go to sleep and you know take a shower that type of thing. And so I was like really really young so I was young enough to the point where my mom was like you know your parents go and help you like take a shower and all that other type of stuff. So I was taking a shower and I was washing underneath my armpits and my mom was like what is that underneath your arm? And I'm like oh like it might be a mole or something and she was like no that's not a mole and it turned out to be a tick and the tick did not want to come off of my armpit and it was like she had to pull it off and then we went to the doctor's um after that and then sent the tick off for testing to make sure it didn't have like Lyme disease or anything like that and I was in the clear thank the lord but that was a very very stressful time especially for my mom but I didn't really know what the heck was going on so I was just like okay sure we'll send the tick off for testing or whatever and I'll go to the doctor and make sure I'm fine but now that I have you know realized what the heck that situation was I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe that happened to me so now I'm just like ah, don't need to go mini golfing bad memories but anyway speaking of ticks a bite from a lone star tick it can actually cause people to develop an allergy to meat and these ticks carry this thing it's a type of sugar it's called alpha gal and when a tick bites a person it transfers alpha gal into the bloodstream and then a person's immune system reacts to it and then this alpha gal it's also found in mammal meat so like beef lamb um, pork stuff like that so if you have any symptoms after eating meat definitely you want to see an allergist about that just to make sure and that you're just not like ooh, like let me play doctor and like look up a bunch of stuff and try to self-diagnose like no like if you're not sure just just double check with the healthcare professional just to be on the safer side of things but yeah that type of tick really just creeps me out that that bite can cause a allergy to meat for certain people. But anyway, now that I talked about the stinging and biting insects, now I'm going to talk about household pests, which are in its own little category. So when it comes to household pests, there are two common bugs in specific that you can find typically all year long in like homes and buildings and things like that. So even though neither one of them has to bite or sting you to cause some sort of an allergic reaction, they can both trigger allergies and asthma in a lot of people. So the two household pests that I'm talking about are insect-like dust mites and cockroaches, which if you live in the South, you know what they are. And they are just so disgusting to me. I just not a fan of them, especially the ones that can fly. Mm-mm. No, not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. So yeah, I just don't, I just don't like them. And I'm pretty sure they don't like me. So that's fine with me. But anyway, uh, those two insects, those could be, you know, the most common cause of year round allergies and asthma in people, which is very crazy because of course the dust, like, you know, that's a given, like I have dust allergies. So like that makes sense. But cockroaches, you don't really 
associate those in allergies. You, you just don't. At least for me, like when reading up about all this stuff, I did not think, oh yeah, roaches can like cause, you know, year round allergies and asthma for people. Like that's so crazy. And, you know, with a dust mite, it's so small to see like with your own naked eye. Um, It's not something that you can see, but with, you know, the cockroaches and dust mites, their waste and their body can cause allergic reactions, which is just so weird in my opinion, but kind of fascinating at the same time. But just, it's just very odd to me and that they can also trigger, like I said, asthma symptoms and even asthma attacks. So with all of this information, you're probably thinking, well, what are some signs or symptoms of an allergic reaction to insects? And I am so happy you had that thought. So the severity of an insect sting reaction, it can vary from person to person. So for some people being stung or bitten by insects, they can suffer, you know, pain, a redness, um, itching, a minor swelling in the area that is around the biter sting, stuff like that. That is all underneath the umbrella of a normal allergic reaction. So you can disinfect the area with either, you know, washing it with soap and water and then applying ice to help with reducing the swelling. And then most people tend to get better within days or sometimes even hours. Like it just depends on you and your body and how your body like reacts to it. And an allergic reaction to insects that don't sting or don't bite, like I said, like dust mites or cockroaches, that is a different animal. So with those types of insects, you may sneeze, you may cough, you might have, you know, a runny nose, a stuffy nose, you might feel like itchy. So you might have itchy eyes, itchy nose, itchy mouth, or itchy throat even. And those types of symptoms, they can really be confused with the common cold. And it's completely understandable because those are symptoms that, you know, they're very common between the two. But the difference is that like it'll last for weeks or months at a time. And then if you have asthma, an allergic reaction that could trigger, um, like I said before, asthma symptoms or an asthma attack. But on the other hand, people can actually have a serious allergic reaction to stinging or biting insects, also known as anaphylaxis. And if you have a life-threatening food allergy, then you're very familiar with anaphylaxis and how it makes you feel. I've talked about anaphylaxis on the podcast before, whether it was in a food allergy connotation or just anaphylaxis in general. There's actually an episode called What is Anaphylaxis? So if you want a little bit more information on that, then definitely listen to that episode because it's very helpful in being able to understand kind of like what that is and break it down um, like the technical terms and stuff like that. But anaphylaxis, it just produces signs and symptoms that require immediate medical attention and it's very life threatening. So if you don't get immediate treatment, it can cause death in a very, very unfortunate situation. So you definitely want to make sure that you call 911, you know, the ER just to get that treatment that you need when you have an anaphylactic allergy. Anyone who has an anaphylactic allergy knows all of the feelings that you feel when you're going through an anaphylactic reaction. So it's definitely not something to play around with. So symptoms for that usually involves more than just one part of the body. So like your skin, your mouth, um, the lungs, uh, the heart, and the gut. So some symptoms include skin 
rashes, itching, hives, uh, swelling of the lips, uh, swelling of your tongue, of your throat, having shortness of breath, trouble breathing or wheezing, uh, dizziness, fainting, having like stomach cramps and stomach pain, uh, vomiting, bloating, diarrhea, just all of those types of things. Those very painful types of symptoms that definitely don't wish that on literally no one. So when it comes to treatment of an insect allergy, some reactions can cause trouble breathing. So if that is the case, you definitely want to call the ER and emergency medical services right away. And I'll say this before going into like the common general treatments that I found through researching this topic. I am not a healthcare professional, nor do I claim to be a healthcare professional. And I don't want to act like I'm trying to be a healthcare professional. And these are common general treatments that I found through research from resources such as the ACAAI, uh, the AAAI, and other organizations like that. So the ACAAI is the American College of Allergy asthma and immunology and the AAAI is the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology and just organizations like that. So be sure to keep that in mind. I say that in all my episodes that are similarly like this because I don't want to give actual medical advice. These are just things to just think about and some people are usually just interested and just learning about other allergies that aren't their own but just make sure that if you are feeling any sort of these types of symptoms and things like that that I mentioned earlier in the episode, your best bet is just to call a healthcare professional just to be able to get a really great opinion from someone who is more familiar with the subject than me um, because I speak from my experiences and what I researched through organizations like the ones I just mentioned. So I just want to put that disclaimer out into the interwebs because you just have to sometimes. So now I'm going to go into the general treatments. So some of the general treatments may include include epinephrine. Um, so that is medicine for severe reactions. If you have anaphylaxis, then you're very familiar with epinephrine. And this is injected after a sting when someone has severe allergies and it's often called an EpiPen. Um, there's all the, also other alternatives as well. Um, some other things are like antihistamine medicine to help with decrease in swelling and itching. Ice that can be applied to the area of the sting or bite because it can help with decreasing the swelling. Corticosteroid medicine. So that's for more of like severe swelling, itching, um, nasal congestion, and sneezing. But if you are concerned that you may have an allergy to insect venom, then like I said before, your best bet is to see an allergist, like a healthcare professional like that, to be able to figure out what you need for your scenario and just the next steps for you or if it's for your kids or your loved ones, that sort of thing. So when it comes to prevention, some ways that you can try to prevent any flare-ups from happening to help with reducing the risk of getting bit or stung by an insect is just avoiding places where stinging insects are common. I feel like that's easier said than done because literally if you want to go anywhere, you have to go outside and that's where they live at. So as far as like some advice on how to be able to navigate that, just being careful when you are doing yard work or if you're doing gardening work, making sure that you are aware when you are hiking in like the forest, if you're hiking on nature trails, if you're hiking in national parks, just being mindful of 
those types of situations. Um, avoid walking barefoot. I don't know if people still do that, um, but just don't do it. You're putting yourself at risk. The only time I walk barefoot is in my own house. And I've been trying to get better with that as far as like for arch reasons and stuff. So I've been trying to wear more shoes around the house. But yeah, I tend to walk around barefoot. Another thing is like avoiding wearing scented products such as like perfumes and other beauty products like that that could attract stinging insects. And guys like definitely take this advice because I've put on perfume before and literally I feel like I'm like an insect magnet when I wear certain perfumes. And I'm like, okay, never wearing that again because I don't know what it is. I don't know if insects like florals or something. I really don't know. Or if you tend to wear like pieces of clothing that have like floral prints and like bees think for some reason that you're like some real flower that they're gonna pollinate and then like you're like running away from like these bees and the bees are like I'm just trying to get to the flower that's on your shirt and it's like no the flower is not real the flower is a print on my shirt like please just get away from me and then also keeping your skin covered in high-risk areas like wearing long sleeves, wearing jackets, light jackets, whatever the weather is, just adjusting accordingly. And if you have had like an allergic reaction to insects that are around your home or in your home, really some good tips for that is avoiding having, you know, carpeting, curtains, or just other fabrics that could gather dust in your home especially for places where people usually tend to sleep in like rooms like that like bedrooms and stuff you don't really want to give some sort of way for like dust like that to be able to gather and gather and gather and then like affect you in that way been trying to get better at dusting and stuff like that to be able to help with my allergies especially because during like the winter and stuff I think it can't really really bad so I've been trying to get a lot better at that still a work in progress but definitely trying to get better at that and then also making sure that you vacuum which is something trying to get a lot better at that as well especially dealing with you know dust and then dealing with dust from my dog and her dog hair and shedding and stuff like that if you have a dog you know so just make sure that you're vacuuming and you're mopping your floors as often as you can with like a wet mop like a swiffer those types of things I'm washing your linens in hot water and covering your mattresses and pillows in allergy proof covers. This is something that I started doing when I first went off to college, just getting allergen friendly things because I'm very, very sensitive to like dust and stuff like that. So I made sure that like when it came to like my pillowcases and it came to that cover you put over the mattress sometimes when you're in a dorm, I forget what it's called, but making sure that that was allergen friendly was really important for me to make sure that I'm trying to not set myself up for failure when it comes to like a lot of dust collecting and stuff so I feel like I was motivated to do a really decent job at trying to minimize as much dust as possible I know when I moved into one of my dorms um the vent was like really really dusty and stuff so I had to call maintenance to be able to go and fix that because I was like I have really bad dust allergies so we can't let the dust just sit there and then I'm like sneezing and then like I tend to have like a diffuser and like to diffuse the air with like essential oils and stuff and then I also got like a humidifier so it's kind of like how can 
I have clean air when I have a bunch of dust floating around from being in the air vents and stuff. So making sure that you have all that stuff covered as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and found it to be like informational, but easy to digest and helpful at the same time. And really just learning about the fact that you can actually be allergic to insect bites and insect stings and the venom that comes from insects, which is just a very thought-provoking topic because it's something that, like I said before earlier on, that when most people think about insects, they're like, don't sting me or don't bite me or you're like me and you run away from them. And it's more common to be afraid of getting bit or getting stung or touching any sort of insect instead of being allergic to one. And I just wanted to talk about this topic because I don't really see a lot of people um, talking about being allergic to insects. And it's something that I feel like more people should talk about. And I feel like if more people were educated on insects in this way and being like allergic to them and stuff, that I feel like a lot of people would be able to set themselves up for success and being able to adjust their lifestyles and the ways that it needs to be adjusted for them. So like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you rate and review the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars. Um, Make sure that you are sharing the podcast with people you know and that people that you don't know. And also follow Oh My Allergies on our Instagram page. It is at Oh My Allergies because we post a lot of quotes. We post a lot of quotes from the episode, just inspirational quotes. We do funny memes that are very relatable to people who have allergies of any sort. So whether you have environmental allergies, whether you have food allergies, or just any sort of allergy, we also post updates about the podcast. Also, you know, different guests that we have on the podcast. And speaking of guests, I'm so happy that you guys have really been receiving the episodes with guests on them really well. And you guys have been loving them. And it's really been making me feel good. And really just seeing the appreciation that you guys have for the content that's coming from the Oh My Allergies podcast. So I definitely appreciate you guys' support. So definitely follow Oh My Allergies on Instagram just to stay up to date with what we're doing and the content that we're pushing out. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys.